Welcome back to The Underdogs, a podcast dedicated to covering the twists, turns, laughs, and tears of the Emmy Award-winning Apple TV series, Ted Lasso. You, you lifers will already know our episode format, but just in case you're new here, in every episode we do a brief overview, coming up very quickly, followed by a three-word episode review, then we analyze what happened on the pitch, the football stuff, what happened off the pitch, the workplace comedy stuff, and the main theme of the episode, with you know, followed by a little bit of pub trivia, which you have to do uh, if you have been to the pubs over there, and then finally crown a winner, winner football dinner of the episode just to prove out who had the strongest performance and, and really took it home. Today we're covering season two, episode four, Carol of the Bells. Simply put, this episode is an instant holiday classic that we'll likely watch 10 to 15 times this holiday season, even though it came out on a Friday the 13th. There was not an ounce of bad vibes with this episode, but we have a lot of gifts to deliver, so let's go on adventure down to Nelson Road Stadium for a bit of holiday cheer. A gift that you could deliver to us would be engaging with us on social media. Uh, so if you're on Instagram, TikTok, or Twitter, hit us up at Pod Underdogs. Uh, we, of course, look forward to continuing the lasso conversation there. All right. Well, let's dive into this episode the best way we know how with a three-word episode review. Here we go. Uh, I put drinking with friends, even though it was the day before a match, but it seemed like everyone was on the booze in this episode. So to responsibility. Che- you know? Cheers to that. Nothing like Ted starting his day off with how many s- bourbons and then like, oh, yeah, let's go deliver presents to to, to charitable people. Like, yeah, that that's great. Very responsible. Anyways, Dan, what about you? I went with new and old. We got to see types of traditions in this episode that were both new and old for the, either the individuals or the way that they were celebrating, potentially different from the traditional concept of a nuclear family Christmas. And it was really interesting to see how that went together. And I think it actually plays into uh, Nick's quite perfectly. It gave him a tap in. Well, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to net this one. How about that? Uh, this, this whole episode was about the family you choose. Um, you know, I, I think it it was really poignant because a lot of us didn't celebrate family or Christmas with family in the traditional way last year due to COVID. And for Premier League footballers, we know that this is the festive fixture period and a lot of them can't go home and maybe their families can't go and see them during this this crazy time where you're playing eight matches in 10 days, it seemed like. So it was it was nice that they grasped that and they and they went with the family you choose because That's the profession, man, especially in England. Like, we all know that's just what it is. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, a lot of them there by themselves, single gun men, Um, and then a French guy. So we we all know (laughs) how he lives his life. Uh, But yeah, like we kind of said before we get into specifics, it's it's, it's good just to kind of level set and call out that, again, this kind of was thrown in the mix a little randomly, it felt like. Uh, but to Nick, you felt like it was the end of the first of three acts that you think are going to happen in season two. It, it was kind of like, Hey, we, we curtailed on a few things that have been building up, but it's almost like a break right before we think it shit's about to hit the fan. Yeah. It's, it felt a lot like calm before the storm a little bit. Right. Um, there are 12 episodes in a season. This is the fourth episode. So this is the end of the first act in, in that way. Um, and to me, you know, all, all great stories have a beginning, middle and end. We're at, we're at the end of the beginning, um, as Winston Churchill will say. Um, and, and I think it's a really important thing to remember because there are two extra episodes compared to last year. So this, this to me felt like, all right, so we're going to do 12 episodes this season. 
how can we get a Christmas episode in there? Because Christmas episodes are super popular and, you know, they realize the value of this pop culture moment and stuff like that. And so to me, that was, it was kind of meant to be a break. It was meant to provide levity. It was meant to be kind of a good vibes because I think as we have seen the, the trend line of the season, uh, Dan, to me, there is a, uh, a storm, a, a Bruin. Well, so the, the interesting thing is, so this was not like a planned episode. So there were articles that came out specific to this where the original season was supposed to be 10 episodes long, but they said, hey, we're actually going to change the order to 12 episodes. And the cast and crew decided that they were going to do two standalones. And this is one of those mm. standalone stories that they that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Into you know where where does it fit best within the theming of the total season? And so, mm. I mean, look, it, it's a great way to get a Christmas story in. I think we've had the lucky pleasure to be in London previously around Christmas time, like just after Christmas time, before New Year's. It's it's a really magical time, and I think it actually is a little bit of a storybook type of setting for this type of story to take place in. Look, I'm, it's not a spoiler, but some might say we were there on the sexiest day of the year. So, Ooh, all right, we all were. right, all right. I don't want to. What's up? <laughs> so, on the pitch, as we always break it down, we go: what happened on the pitch? What happened off the pitch? And since really nothing happened on the pitch except nothing. for a reference of form, we'll start there because the rest of the episode, obviously, uh, on Christmas Day, was off the pitch. So, on the pitch, here we go. In need of results. Richmond are in a dire state in the championship. Four wins, four losses, and 14 ugly draws heading into Boxing Day. Simple math puts them at a whopping 26 points and likely staring relegation in the face yet again. Uh, so remember, the championship, you play 46 matches, not like in the Premier League, you play 38. Um, so they're halfway through the season. The magic number in the Premier League is 40, so the championship is probably in the 50s. So again, they're right on the cusp of squeaking across the line. And what did... What did Coach Beard say? Essentially, Boxing Day, they're hoping to finally tip over where we have more wins than losses. So, yeah. I, I mean, I this know. is this is not good, though. I mean, like, it was all fun and games when they had seven straight draws to start the season, but the fact that that form has not improved that much since Jamie Tart, the prodigal son, has come back into the team is uh is a little worrisome for the for the form uh of this squad like we it's it's very obvious that they are going to uh not get promoted at this point <laughs> um in, in the Premier League calendar so so Dan Dan was correct in his prediction at the beginning of this but uh but yeah I mean they have a lot of work to do just to to stay, stay in up. the in the division which is uh not great for Ted yeah, so they're what zero zero seven to start the season, and since then they've gone four seven and one or four one and seven, whatever it is, you know. So like they've won four. I'm sorry, they've lost three because we did see they lost and celebrated. Mm -hmm. So they had one loss, seven draws, and now they're up to four wins, four losses, and fourteen draws. It's not great form to that point. Um, let's go ahead and pivot over to off the pitch though. Uh, three Christmases is how we're naming this one. First off, the episode starts at the training centers. The team does the best secret Santa of all time with an underrated Christmas song, Christmas in Hollis by Run DMC playing in the background. What up? Uh, most of them are obviously passing around booze, uh, but Colin gets a scarf to wrap his booze in. Jamie, of course, does not understand the concept of the, and the diamond dogs have to rescue him. Uh, that was great work, great teamwork uh, by everyone uh, to to get his present wrapped um, and ends with the classic line, God bless me, everyone. 
Thanks, Jamie. Hey, it's perfect, Jamie. I mean, it's it's an unbelievable, and you even see it in his face too. It's just this classic like me, me, me all the time. It just shows that he still has some evolution to uh, to do, which is you know him. Yeah, classic locker room banner, Dan. I think uh, Ted was saying that he introduced this concept to them, so it must not be that popular across the pond as a thing. Yet I think it's pretty common here, especially amongst uh, professional work teams and things of that nature and families. But everybody knew to get booze except for Jamie. I don't know. That feels. But just probably the only thing that they could think of because they're getting made fun of for being young men. I mean, to be fair, the the format is tremendous. I love the format. You have, uh, God, uh, what's the character's name? Um, I'm so struggling on the name, whatever. The captain of the squad is Santa in the middle, and he summons each player up to, uh, to then reveal the team does the like, Ooh, and then the secret Santa pops up. Uh, so I love the format. It's a lot more fun than just like passing around gifts or whatever. So I think at, at every Secret Santa from from this point forward, that is going to be the format that I'm going to rock the same outfit and shades. Is that going to be? Oh, you? come on. Are you kidding me? During Christmas? <laughs> me? That's exactly what I will do. It, it was also Isaac is the name of the Isaac, player. Yes, that's right. Great call. Yeah. Uh, great format, great song. I love that they all get each other moves and that Jamie didn't open the email because it was it was titled Secret Santa. Yeah. Nailed uh-huh. Uh, then next up, the Diamond Dogs, plus honorary members, Keely and Rebecca, talk Christmas plans. Uh, and this is where Ted delivers two just absolute mint lines. The, I, I, I appreciate the second one better than the first one, Dan, but I'll let you read off the first one. Hold me closer, trying to dance or prance or vixen. <laughs> Appreciate the offer, Hagee Smalls, but I'm all set, baby, baby. <laughs> they're, they're both. I know he's delivered some, like, average lines in this season, but these are two absolutely crucial and critical lines. I love them Just so pieces much. of art in themselves, you're saying. It's when, it's when art and football. And NFTable, as Dan would say. Um, so... They're they're crushing that one. So let's go to the first uh, of the three Christmases. Uh, family Higgins, right? So the family, so we moved to Higgins' house, right? They're opening their presents. Uh, and then Sam is the first one to be there because, well, he has to use the bathroom. Well, it, it has to be said, too, like as a part of the um, as part of the Diamond Dogs, Higgins says, Oh, I have, you know, I kind of have an open house, so open Christmas to players who can't go be with family or whatever. And he does this thing where he's like, usually there are about f- two two that come to, to the thing. And so it's like this moment where they all look at him like, oh, man, poor Higgins. Like, you know, this is never you know very popular for him. And then the fact that, you know, Sam arrives and then you see this absolute procession of yeah. all these players. I think there's like 10 players that show up. To me, Dan just shows that this team has gelled and that they like each other and that this isn't like, a, you know, we hate everybody and I'm just going to go drink or go to the club for Christmas, you know? It's the testament to the positive work of Ted Lasso and Coach Beard and Nate the Great is that they've built a culture of camaraderie between the players in this team. And a credit to the way that Higgins, as the 
director of football or football operations has ingrained or ingratiated himself with the, the players in a point where, you know, they see him as someone that they want to spend time with, that it's not just something where, yeah, you got an invitation to the, the boss's place, but yeah, is that really where you want to spend this day or your day when it's a day off before you have to go to work again the next day? And, you know, Brandon, he really makes it, you know, just a very open and warm and inviting place that these players want to be with each other um, and with, with him and his family. Well, and there's a lot of conversations going on, right, with Higgins and Sam and Higgins' sons and the players, you know, about Christmas. And I think was Sam at the center of all of it, like explaining how Santa doesn't do it in one night, but actually does it across 24 different time zones, you know, so it's not about his speed. It's actually about his endurance that makes him successful. And then obviously Higgins asking Sam what what uh, like Christmas reminds him of or what is Christmas like back home? And he goes, colonization. And Higgins like, oh, yeah, that's right. Hmm. Colonialism. Yeah, yeah, colonialism. So, again, just funny, hilarious things. But then. Um, to this point, you know, you talk about the, the players, they're having a blast, right? They're playing FIFA with the kids. You're playing, uh, the Nerf, uh, gun wars and everything like that. And then, uh, one of my favorite ones is when the overweight son is just staring at the French woman. <laughs> Why, why'd you bring a girl to the party? <laughs> now, hold on. That is a pub trivia question for later. Don't spoil. Right, spoil. Brandon right. already spoiled two of my questions. I didn't Come spoil. On. I didn't spoil. Did. I just foreshadowed. Um, so anyways, look, I, I I just have to call it out how irresponsible of Higgins to to accept the culture of drinking the night before a game. They're going to get rocked tomorrow. Just saying. I don't know. Maybe it'll turn their fortunes around. They've been pretty bad to this point. Maybe they just needed to get drunk the night before, you know? The night before a game? Who in this room has woke up feeling great and ready to run eight miles the next day? I mean, okay. All right. Great. Just <laughs> nailed that one. Uh, Nick, you want to talk about Higgins, Higgins wonderful toast, uh, and how he kind of brought the room together and what was just a powerful moment and just credit to him for putting people first. Um, even when people usually don't put him first. Yeah. He really became the, the father figure in, in this moment. And, you know, with, uh, his, his toast, which was, to the family you're born with, the family you make along the way, and most importantly, to Richmond. And you know, obviously that that goes that goes a long way. But I mean, it is it's the central theme of the episode, right? I mean, it, it is to me. You know, they have their family, their nuclear family unit, which is really strong. You know, him, his wife, their five kids. You know, all this kind of stuff that you remember from season one. But the fact that they are seen as a welcoming environment for all these different players from different backgrounds to come, uh, you know, hang out and, and enjoy the day while they don't have family is, is the most powerful moment of the show for me. And that's, you know, look, I mean, so if, if you spent the, the holidays away from your family before, you know how odd and difficult and, and, you know, uh, that, that situation can be. And so, you know, I've done that before and, and this really resonated with me because, you know, you do make family that isn't your nuclear unit. Well, and, I mean, you know, you guys are family, you know, I mean, exactly. like, you know, not, you know, this is the kind of like the sappy part of it. When you think about, 
you know, when you reach a point of adulthood and you've moved away from family and you figure out who you spend time with and typically it's the people you work with or things of that nature, like you, you end up finding people who can sometimes become just as close, if not closer to you. And, uh, you know, this is a type of culture that, uh, you know, amongst these characters has been fostered and you can see it in the way they interact with one another. And, uh, I think it just helps that they have built a, a true stable of characters that, you know, can, can have the on-screen chemistry that, to pull this off. Cause I, I don't think, that it's that easy to get this type of combination of so many different players of, you know, different backgrounds of their ethnicities and trying to get the, that story to align perfectly. Did you know, Brandon, that Higgins wife is actually his real life, real life wife? No idea. That I'm clearly is, only doing surface level research for this. That is a actual thing. Cause he, he posted it on his, uh, Jeremy Swift is the actor's name who plays Higgins. Uh, he posted it on his Instagram today that said, my real life wife makes another appearance. And Emmy nominated yeah. Mr. Swift. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So that was awesome. And like having known that now, I didn't know that in season one, you understand how well they are, like how well they mm-hmm. get along on the episode together. It's so good. Yeah. They can run lines at home. That's clearly the difference maker. <laughs> uh, it's always, it's also good to shout out that Higgins remembered where all the players are from, I believe city and country as well. So, uh, again, just him showing off his soft skills and his attention to detail when it comes to people and uh, the players, you could tell it really meant a lot for them. So, uh, all right. The next Christmas up is Christmas number two, the search for a dentist. And uh, look, I'm not going to lie. This is where I lost control of my bodily functions because I was laughing so hard and I just couldn't handle myself and my girlfriend sitting next to me watching it who hasn't really watched the whole thing a she was concerned for me but b was also enjoying it as well and again for her to be able to just jump in this is the perfect episode because you didn't need to know about roy and keely and phoebe you just took it for face value which was hilarious in itself so uh, Roy and Keeley's sexy Christmas gets derailed as Phoebe's mom gets called into surgery. They go on a quest to fix Phoebe's rancid breath and have a lot of laughs along the way. Look, I honestly, Dan, I just Phoebe's reaction was fucking gold. And then you're like, Roy, like, all right, look, they've already set the stage that like this is horrific, right? Like Keeley, the nicest person in the world, can't muster up the nicest even fake response ever. And Roy's like, all right, Phoebes, I got this. I've been in a locker room for with men for 10 years. Like I've surely smelled worse. And, and Roy goes up there and again, his characters, I hadn't recovered from Keeley's and then to see his character's reaction. That's when I just lost it. It's top physical humor. They really nailed the reaction and the, because uh, I think you, you, we've all probably been at that point before where we smelled something that just did not smell anywhere near as bad as we thought it was going to be. And our physical reaction mirrored that. And to pull that off without any type of prompt was uh, great acting. And that's why they get paid the big bucks. <laughs> I, I think you're dying. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that. What a response. <laughs> he did like the half eye roll thing, and you're like, oh, God, this is hilarious. Um, you know, and this is coming off of the last episode where they, where obviously he, he's out with, with his, his niece and they meet up with Rebecca. She goes, 
you know, she just loves you. And he goes, I know it's fucking annoying. <laughs> and like that is his, that's his response. And like, clearly this is the person that he loves most in the whole world his, his yeah. little niece. Right. Like, so they go on this epic quest to his posh neighborhood to find a dentist at random because of course the dentist would live in his posh neighborhood and, and wherever he is in London. So here, here's a question. Do we think by the end of the season that Roy and Keeley are at a point in their relationship where they're living together? Because, you know, they're, they're seemingly getting on very well. The fact that they're, they're keeping up two residences. Well, I mean, they're both rich, look, Dan. So I know they're I, both rich, but I mean, look, you know, at some point, you know, you got to think about, you know, saving for the future. You know, they want to spoil Phoebe Rotten, I'm sure. Like, you know, just financial planning is maybe something we need to talk to him about. Let's all right. We need to get a sponsor for this part before we dive too much into the future planning, Dan. So Northwestern Mutual, come on down, you know, and Robin Hood. They won't rob you blind today. Today. <laughs> Lock that one up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, just like the logic behind Roy. And he was like, look, guarantee there's one in the first 10 doors. He's like a thousand pounds to each of you, if not. And again, just like throwing it out there. Uh, his confidence. And of course, like, again, just talking about the relationship for Keely, just to be up for it. She's still wearing like her sexy outfit under the robe. <laughs> I mean, she, she was just ready to go. And then <laughs> I forgot this when he, she opens the door and it's like Phoebe. And she's like in her like sexy outfit. He goes, well, I see it didn't get my text. <laughs> you know, it's just all that little stuff back and forth. That I love. So anyway, she, we well, learned a little, it was funny right before that, right? She's putting the whole house together and getting yeah. everything ready. That's a, that it, we'll get to this in a second, but that is a scene that was directly taken from Elf. Uh, that that type of scene where they're getting ready and the whole thing is awesome. Like they did such a good job with this episode with little references that you might not have picked up, and that was that was one of them. Where our Elf is preparing the house for Christmas, that was that. So Roy also. Um how many months ago pooped his pants three weeks ago hmm. brandon three weeks ago uh yeah. that was that was the line of the whole episode by the way where he you know obviously Ate too the, much ice cream even though i know i can't handle it <laughs> yeah the, the kid opens the door his parents are dennis stan uh you know and then phoebe goes man roy this is embarrassing uh and he's like no embarrassing is when i poop my pants on the bus after eating too much ice cream and then keely goes in you can finish the story. Finish he the goes story. three weeks ago without missing a beat. The best line of the whole episode by far. Well, and this was the kid whose parents were lawyers, right? And he was like, and he was like, how about you and I knock this shit off and get it together? <laughs> you know, he's like, oh, we should be better than this. I really think we can, we can do better. So, um, but yeah, and then it was funny as they knock on doors. They're like, Oh, is that Roy Kent? You know, everyone's just like surprised that it's him. Uh, and then they obviously find a dentist and just completely interrupt their family dinner in the middle of it and said, you're going to help us. I mean, look, they had a child in need and uh, he was going to pay. So sometimes things like that can happen. I will say, I think the next point that you want to cover on here, I, I don't love this reference. Like I know you talked about like little nods to other Christmas movies and things. I think it's overused at this point. So the love actually transition to go to the little boy who was mean and unkind in the way that he gifted the secret Santa gift to Phoebe of mouthwash and toothpaste. 
Um, I don't know. Like the the overall messaging was good. I don't know if I loved the the usage of it. I no, was. Is that a science thing? Is that what the picture thing is a reference of? The yeah. love actually. Uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Well, I know what Brandon's gonna be watching this Christmas now with this girl. Um, and his girlfriend will <laughs> make him watch it, so that's okay. All right. Well, uh, we know that. So I, I I would have said the same thing, Dan, if it hadn't been Roy's idea. If it would have been Keeley's idea, I think it would have been different. But the fact that like Roy asked for it, I think is funny and interesting. And I was actually listening to um, Football is Life, which is another Lasso podcast. And they were like, what this really says about Roy is uh, that Love Actually is his favorite Christmas movie, which is so funny and interesting. And I was like, all right, well, I, I can come around on that now. Yeah. So, all right. Well, they pulled a creative solution out of the uh, dentist. Uh, repertoire since uh, getting rid of Dauphine was not an option the cat so uh, they got some medicine that'll work within 48 to 72 hours and she's good so uh, next up is Christmas 3 which is Ted and Rebecca play Santa Claus's elves is what it should say I think because uh, so Ted is in really bad shape he's away from his family watching the suicide scene from It's a Wonderful Life He's down as we've ever seen him since that night in Liverpool. He uh, was Skyping or you know FaceTiming with his son. He gets him a drone, which he said was a guilt gift, um, to which obviously the kid wants to use it. And then all of a sudden the computer goes to his ex-wife, which is probably a hard reality for him to take. And that didn't go well either. And it ended abruptly. And now after that he essentially enabled his own loneliness because his son was no longer interested in talking to him because of the gift he got him so yeah look nick a lot hitting the feels right away uh tough for ted yeah this was the only serious part of the episode and, and this is the only part that i think has impacts on future episodes that he's clearly not in the in a really good place i mean he's clearly not the same guy that he was in season one. And this was, this was one of those, like if you've ever watched, it's a wonderful life. And the scene that we're referencing here, uh, he's thinking about jumping off the bridge into the water and, you know, all this stuff. And like, you know, for, for as, as serious as this was, you understand pretty quickly that he is feeling alone, that he's feeling abandoned a little bit, maybe, or, or that he's enabled his own, um, you know, his own time alone, which is, you know, tough to take. And the fact that he's alone for the first time during the holiday season when he's usually with his family uh, is is interesting. I think the, the sneaky scene in here is when Rebecca comes to get him and they talk about, you know, the, the first, uh, you know, kind of Christmas or holiday season after a divorce and what she was doing last year, Dan, where she was planning something sinister. And he looks at her and goes, oh, gee, I wonder what that was. <laughs> uh yeah this was i mean ted ted architected his own demise here just in the fact that he really did not do a good job selecting a present that was going to be something that he and his child could do together i mean that's where you know you figure out like what's a video game you could play together what's something that's going to keep them engaged with you versus you know, like a drone or like something you give a child that's they're going to then go outside and play with. It's probably not the right solution, right? You kind of, you know, you put yourself in that situation, but thankfully uh, Rebecca was there to help uh, cheer, uh, bring some cheer into his life and other people's lives. And uh, look, there's white people at the door. And, <laughs> and they're uh, smiling. 
<laughs> oh, and uh, it was a really cool thing to see. Um, and obviously, I know that uh, you kind of put this in here too, Nick, but the, the actual tweet from the Ted Lasso account talking about the poverty alleviation charities, the Letters to Santa organization, which does collect letters from kids that go to Santa from people who maybe just don't have the means to pull off something during the holiday season that would be really appreciated by a young child. Um, it's been great work that people do. No, I mean, they're on, they are absolutely on fire with everything that they do. So they made the thing that happened in the show a thing in life that you could activate on, which is phenomenal, right? It's, it's the best way to use your platform. The tweet is epic, and I shall read it aloud to you now. I know August seems early to think about Christmas, but I've learned two things from Rebecca recently. Newsboy caps don't only look amazing on Killian Murphy uh, from Peaky Blinders, uh, which is wonderful, and this wonderful charity, Check it out. Given feels a, a whole lot better than receiving, uh, which look, I mean, for a lot of people who who are, are planners, now's the time to start thinking about, you know, what you might do for Christmas. My, my family last year, we didn't do gifts. We did uh, we did uh, charity donations in each other's names. And I think that's really a cool thing that we did. And, and perhaps you're thinking about doing the same thing this year. So uh, this is just one area in which you could do that if you wanted to. Well, sure enough, they almost tied everything together at the end. Um, but the band that made a cameo early that got an amazing donation from Rebecca and a generous one from Ted, but you know, she's yeah. she's got them dollar bills, yo. She's got them bands. Um, they ended up uh, surprising the Higgins Christmas with an outdoor caroling extravaganza with the full band and man. I had no idea Rebecca could sing like that. That was impressive. I'm sure that was not dubbed over. I think that's we, a real we voice. We knew that from last season when she sang Frozen, Let It Go. Yeah, you not dubbed know, over. You didn't know that Ted could sing like that. That's the That was one of the surprises of the show. As he went full Elvis on you and uh, really, really nailed it. Yeah, so bringing it all together. All right, so then as we move on to the main, main theme being the family you choose... Uh, this episode centers on, centers around one clear idea that the family, the family you choose for many of our main characters, their immediate family unit is they're away from home, right? They have to be each other. The locker room is more than just teammates for a lot of young professionals in in all countries and leagues. And so being away from home, maybe they're divorced, you know, out of a relationship, whatever it may be, it's always a tough time, I think for anybody to, you know, be alone during the holidays, no matter their profession or, or their situation. So, um, yeah, I mean, Nick, then you had the, the Roy and Keeley part as well. Yeah, I mean, all, all three of these Christmases center around family that you choose, right? Uh, Roy and Keeley just starting their relationship really, but they operate like a family unit when Phoebe's around and they certainly did on Christmas. And, uh, you know, while Phoebe's mom was not a, around to, you know, to have a normal Christmas with her daughter, Roy and Keeley step in as like pseudo parents, right? And they, and they start to play that little nuclear family unit where they're problem solving and they're going around on adventures and they're entertaining her instead of entertaining each other like they had originally planned to do. So, I, you know, I thought that was, it was really interesting, man. Like Keeley didn't have to react that way when being surprised with, with Phoebe being there. But of course... She's super nice, super caring, and wanted to to be a part of of the solution. So she went around and, and made the best out of it as she normally does. 
and so did Roy. And so that's a, you know, that's one little family that they chose. They didn't have to be together, and in a lot of ways they wouldn't have been together, but that's, that's one. But they quickly compromised on the sexiest day, not Christmas. So, you know. We're going to get there. Light, light on their feet, you know, quick thinking. And then obviously Danny had the Higgins story. Look, the Higgins story is great. You know, they were allowing their family to take a day that typically would be reserved for their family and allowing an extended, you know, non-traditional definition of family to come together under their roof to the point where they're using surfboards as part of their dinner table to welcome more people and as many people as they could fit in their home. Uh, you know, dishes with chicken or goat, all welcome. Mm. Yeah, definitely a chicken for me. But anyways, lastly, Ted and Rebecca bond as both were in similar situations post-divorce. Um, Rebecca even, you know, addressed it with him. She's like, I've been there. The first one's the worst. Uh, and they found common ground in giving back to their community instead of wallowing in self-pity. And again, they really just said, this is my situation, but hey, let's go take our our fortunate positions in life, albeit very lonely at this exact moment in time, and, and bring cheer to the world. And it clearly pulled him out of his rut as well. So a uh, huge effort from Rebecca there to uh, continue a tradition she's had as well. So well, it, it turned the, it turned the tables a little bit too. If you remember in season one, he kind of did that for her a little bit. Yep. She did it for him a little bit. And now, you know, she, she turned the tables on him and, and, and you know, recognized that he was going to be in pretty bad shape and, and did the proactive thing to get him out of the house, get him out of the, the drunken stupor that he was in and, and to go around and deliver gifts and, and cheer him up. So that was, that was pretty great. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go ahead and, and head to the end ish with the crown and anchor pub trivia. These are weird questions and observations that Nick had that we want to go ahead and challenge you all out there and see, um, if, if you can remember any of the little details. So this episode had a ton of traits of some popular Christmas TV shows and movies in particular, I guess, like Nick said, he saw references to Love Actually, Christmas Vacation, Die Hard, Home Alone, Elf, Four Christmases, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and It's a Wonderful Life. So, Nick, where do we begin? Look, I, I want to know if you saw any other references. Those are the ones that I caught, but I'm not the most uh, forward expert on on Christmas movies, admittedly, but those are the ones that I caught. Obviously, the Die Hard scene with the with the Nerf guns was great. There was a bunch of Home Alone t- style references. Elf with with Keeley and the setup of the the house. Love actually with the signs. Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer was the was the claymation. Love actually intro. not even only with the signs. And I'm thinking about that whole storyline now when he went to the to his posh neighborhood. Like the whole part of that element of Love Actually is Hugh Grant's character going to find True. Uh, yeah. what's her name in that neighborhood, knocking and going door to door to door uh, to find the appropriate family. And so actually I'm realizing they used more Love Actually in this episode than I thought they did. <laughs> yeah. And then obviously It's a Wonderful Life was shown on TV, but that was pretty over. But the claymation style intro, which changed from the last one, was really great. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I love that. I mean, there, there's just a lot going on here. Uh, but I would love to know if you found any more references than than the ones that I found, because I I don't know as many Christmas movies as, as a lot of people do. So, yes. All right. Trivia time. All right. 
Brandon already spoiled a couple, so I deleted these. But um, they didn't you spoil. Still, you, it, yeah, you did. I forget that they, on on websites they call it foreshadowing alert. You know, that's what that's what they're called. I didn't uh, give the answer. Anyways, <laughs> go ahead. All right, so there are four questions here. Please, uh, please respond at your will. Um, where is Beard going with his ex girlfriend Jane? For they have Christmas? to go as friends. And everyone just laughed at him in the office. And were like, yeah, that's going to be terrible. He's like, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's question one. Question two, obvious question. But, you know, if you if you uh, didn't watch this very carefully, you'll, you'll probably have to rewatch. What is the sexiest day of the year, according to Roy and Keeley? It's not what you think. Uh, question three. This is a, a maths question that we that we learned. How long does it typically take Phoebe to earn one thousand pounds from Roy's swearing? Uh, that, that's a that's a, a really good one. And then finally, question four: What does Richard say the French think is a very good thing? Yes, yes. Oh, Richard uh, made some some funny moments. So I love how nonchalant he is about that too. He's like just very obvious to him. Like yeah, it's I cultural. Think this is a, it's a very good thing. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, all right. Any surprises in this one, Dan? Any anything that caught you off guard? I mean, the intro got me, but and that's you know, yeah, that's not that's not that big of a deal. I actually thought they might lean in more to references. Yeah, and I you know I think I caught most of the ones that you were talking about there, but I, I actually thought they would go heavier in that because Lasso also feels a little like they enjoy some of the self-referential elements and uh, who knows, maybe next season on another Christmas special, maybe we'll get more or get different stories. But uh, yeah, I I mean, I thought they would have maybe done just a little bit more Christmas stuff. You could say it was a surprise that I did not see this much of a standalone episode coming. I kind of referenced that at the beginning. So I was watching it waiting for things to happen and it just never happened. And so Dan enlightening me at the beginning of this episode that this was a one-off, it makes more sense. And I think I had to realize that I just needed to take it at face value and stop being like, what about, what? wait, what about this one? What about that? What about this? It's just, no, what, no, no. What happened to December 23rd? I don't oh understand. My. No, not that bad. You, no, come on now. Um, but it's like, there's a lot of storylines building up. We've been talking about this is building, building, building. And we just hit pause. And coverage will resume post-Christmas is, is where we're at. So, uh, Nick, you want a Nussie? I, I loved I loved that little callback to the first season. Um, I thought that was great. The Ussie guy makes a he's, – he's the dentist's uh, son, you assume, or whatever. Uh, that was great. Uh, the Roy pooping his pants story is phenomenal. Uh, that was a great surprise in this. And then a third sneaky one, which was a reference to the to the first season, was when Keeley's getting ready for for sexy Christmas. She takes all the uh, pimentos out of the olives uh, because she called them an orange clitoris thing uh, in the first season, <laughs> and that was that was just another like cheeky nod that they get the the show as much as we get it as as viewers so I, I liked all those things no that was good all right winner winner football dinner who won the episode clean sweep dan i'm not even trying to be contrarian right now i had nothing else to offer it was dun, 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 higgins to richmond to richmond yeah a lot of the show did you know uh take place in his home so he also had a lot of time to shine but again just the way he acted and operated just crushed it. He was clever. 
Uh, he was empathetic. He was caring. And he was, you know, like I said, a, a stand-in uh, patriarch for a lot of those guys. So I would say Re- Rebecca would be my second choice. Uh, I thought she she was wonderful in the episode. And, like, it's clearly evolving as a human being where she, you know, this time last year was thinking about making Ted's life a living hell. She's actually trying to, like, rescue him a little mm-hmm. bit now. That's a lot of growth for a person over one year. I would say that when they were in the office at the beginning of the episode and Keely is hanging out with the Diamond Dogs and then Rebecca comes in like, oh, you guys talk about sexy Christmas. You talk about like chemistry of the management from top down. Like they're all on the same page. They're all f- seem to be f- genuine friends. You know, like they they are well connected. The communication lines are open and functioning on that team. Do you think do you think Marina comes into the the team locker room at Chelsea and says, hey, what's everyone for, doing for Christmas? Asking for a drink too? <laughs> no, I mean, it was great. I mean, Higgins was the, the clear winner in my mind. I think, you know, his, his character has kind of uh, stumbled out of the blocks a little bit this season, obviously not having an office and all that stuff, but it's so clear that he's well-respected and loved and, uh, you know, everyone is, is kind of using him as a rallying point, which is nice. So, uh, yeah, this is a, a great win for Higgins and a well-deserved uh, episode for him. Yeah, so surprisingly, the the running tally is Roy Kent, Jamie, Sam, and now Higgins. I'm not, I was, after the first couple episodes, I figured it'd be one of the two running away with it, but they've done such a good job of, like, creating space for different people to shine throughout the entire season. And uh, as you can see from this leaderboard, two might win it, honestly, at this point. <laughs> I don't know. We might have a different winner for every episode at this point. I mean, it's that's what it's I mean. Trending that way. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's it for this episode of the Underdogs. Please connect with us at Pod Underdogs on social media to continue the chat there. And if you'd be so kind as to take 15 seconds to leave us a five star rating and review, that would mean the world to us. We'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>